Hi everyone Hi. and welcome back to the Perma Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome back to the show. I'm delighted to welcome back my friend, uh, Victoria San Esparza, to the show. This is the third part of our series. Um, we've done Empathy and Curiosity and today we're going to focus on story. So welcome back to the show, Victoria. Thanks, James. I am excited to be here for our last uh, part of the series. Yes, it's been great so far. The, the, the conversations we've had have been really, really interesting and just gone places that I never expected and couldn't have planned. And, yeah, it's things that I'm really passionate about. And I'm this is a this is a topic that I'm very passionate about. And, again, although I've mentioned it in a lot of episodes, we've never I've never really gone into depth in it and devoted a whole episode to it. Um maybe one or two episodes but generally like story uh story is a really really interesting to, uh, topic and it's kind of at the heart of everything we've talked about already it's what everything has kind of been getting towards um so tell us about your passion for story yeah so i think that uh for me story and storytelling um is is a really important part of the work that I do, both in uh, helping folks think about uh, innovation and and developing new ideas, uh, but also in in the ways that we communicate our work. Um, I mean, think about storytelling kind of as uh, in a lot of ways, like the the core of what makes us human, that um, our way of relating to things is through stories, and our way of relating to people is through stories. And um I would also argue that even the way that we change is through stories. Uh, and, and other people's experiences and our own experiences. And um, for me, that be, is a really important part of when we're talking about um, design and we're talking about innovation because uh, without those stories, without being really good storytellers and listening to stories, uh, it's really hard to get to places that we uh, change our, our opinions or we see things in a new light. Um, and so stories are a really crucial part of uh, kind of challenging the way we think and reshaping the way and why we do things. Yeah, absolutely, completely agree with all of that. Um, story, story shapes us in ways that we don't really comprehend. It's all around us all the time. It's kind of how our brains work in a lot of ways, and often we're not conscious of it either. Uh, yeah. You know, and yeah, and that's that's really fascinating. And we see it all around us, don't we? You know, the, I mean, in politics, we see it a lot. It's always the candidate who who tells the best story, who tends to win elections, you know, and, you know, the concept of the hero's journey and making making people the hero of their own story. Um, people can buy into that really easily, more than they, more they can into, more than they can buy into facts, in a way. Uh, a good story yeah. can persuade people much more easily than facts. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's exactly why I think stories is such an essential part of, of coming up with new ideas, because um, often I think we get kind of stuck in our own stories, right? Like we get stuck in seeing the world yeah. a particular way because of our own experiences, the, the things that we've done in our life. And, and part of the, the beauty of storytelling is the way that it kind of challenges um, us to see the world in a different way. And for me, that's really where innovation starts to happen, is that when we kind of combine my experience with your experience and the experience of our community, uh, it starts to, to look very different because the world no longer looks uh, as clear and as uh, cut in our head as it actually really is in real life. Um, because often what happens is as we tell our stories, we start to realize the world is much bigger and more complex 
than than it, we feel it is often. Um, and mm-hmm. that often, I think, in that process, we discover that more than one truth exists at the same time. And yeah. that's an essential part of innovation, too, is that when we start to acknowledge that there are other realities, there are other desires, there are other needs that are guiding people um, that maybe we don't agree with or understand, then we start to see um, the places that we can be doing better and the places that we can be growing um, and kind of challenging the why of what we do. Um, and I see that all the time when, you know, I'm talking to folks and uh, working with them or um, even just discussing the topic with them and, and really challenging them to go out and, and gather these stories. Because I think when we start to, we start to change when we're pushed up against something that we disagree with or something that we've never even considered. And part of the beauty of design thinking and human-centered design is that it says that the stories of the people around us are the places that we should start before we do anything else. Um, because those stories have so much information in them about how people are seeing the world, what they need, what's missing, um, in ways that we just simply cannot know on our own. And uh, it forces us to kind of go seek those stories out as qualitative information that ultimately helps us uh, see the world a little bit differently and better. Absolutely, yeah. When it's so much easier to have a conversation with somebody who you disagree with whether it's on theology or politics or anything else when you are willing to listen to their story and engage with their story rather than with opinions because when you listen to people's story you can begin to understand at least where those opinions and those beliefs come from and who they are and there's always more to it when you start listening to story than when you start when you than when you just look at kind of the kind of almost the dualistic kind of facts on the surface like what on the you know on the face of it somebody somebody's somebody's like an evangelical or something or is kind of doesn't or always non-affirming in lgbtq theology but when you go and ask them why and listen to their story you can understand where that came from and then you can use yeah. your story to try and you can use another story to try and show them why maybe that isn't helpful or it isn't or it's a dam or that's a damaging belief you know that's 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 an example of that, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say, you know, especially in the work of, you know, as I'm thinking about congregations and, and people of faith who are really looking to say, like, how do we do something new? Um, I think one of the challenges often is that we often hear stories that maybe we don't agree with or stories that we don't understand. And we're very quick to, like, kind of tidy them up, right? Like, to make sense of them, say, well, you're wrong, and here's all the reasons why. Um, and part of what I, I do often with folks is say, like, it really actually doesn't matter if that person is right or wrong. Like, it's actually entirely irrelevant because what we're trying to do here is care about their experience. If their experience says X and you don't think X is true, it really actually doesn't matter because X is still in their experience. Exactly. Um, and I think yeah. that the, that's the power of storytelling, right, is that we don't have to say that I agree with you, that I, I hold all the same beliefs with you, or, I, I, or even that information that you're sharing with me in that source is correct. But we do have to say that, like, this is your lived experience. At the very least, I have to acknowledge that as real and valid and important when it comes to thinking about new things and thinking about uh, broadening how we're uh, facing challenges in our communities. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, because that, and that's, that's a big thing for me is, you know, when people are saying, oh, I don't believe this, I don't believe that, uh, or this is wrong, I believe this is wrong, and I'm just reading stories about people who have been hurt by that belief and who have been, um, who suffered abuse and who have 
got mental illness because of that belief and have left the church because of that belief. And I'm like, mm. there's a part of me that's almost like, I don't care what your theolo- theological argument is. This is the story of somebody's lived experience of that. Mm-hmm. Like, and you can't argue with that because that's their lived mm-hmm. experience. That's their story. You know, you can you can't just say that's not true. You can't disagree with somebody's story because it's their story. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, last week I, I talked a little bit about um, the the when I was doing a workshop and the mom who came up to me and, and talked about you know kind of this eye opening experience of like needing to be more curious about her own daughter's life. And um, with mm. the same group that I've been working with, they one of the things that I had been doing with them was kind of facilitating, uh, creating these guides for these individual groups to kind of uh, have deeper conversations about youth ministry and intergenerational ministry. And uh, we created these guides basically so they could run the meetings themselves. And uh, a lot of the feedback that we got from these groups was basically, uh, I had no idea that the youth in our church felt this way about pick any topic. Um, And I really struggled with like not knowing that information and also struggling with the fact that they have such strong opinions about, you know, any number of topics. And one of the things that we said back to these groups was uh, how important it is for us to be listening to those stories, even if they are unsettling for us. And I think this happens often um, with, with, you know, pick, pick any group, you know, we can talk about ageism, we can talk about classism, we can talk about racism, um, yeah. any group that has like a different lived experience. And uh, with this particular group we were working with, we, I said, you know, it's really important that while you may not like all the things that your youth are saying to you right now, um, it's really important that you value that their stories and really listen to them because they are doing you something, uh, they are doing you a service by being honest and sharing about what they think and believe and, and their opinions. Um, and when we don't really take the time to honor the stories, it creates these barriers and it'll, it creates really kind of the opposite of what we're hoping we've been talking about the past couple weeks, which is building that trust that we can kind of take risks together. And part of storytelling, really accepting the stories, hearing them, letting people feel heard and seen and in sharing those stories, um, it means that sometimes we're going to hear things that, that rub us the wrong way, yeah. that we don't agree with, that we don't like. Um, and I think that storytelling uh, is equally as revealing when somebody shares as it is revealing to, to what we're feeling and experiencing when those stories are shared. Um, because it points us at areas in our life where maybe we have particular bias and we don't like what we're hearing. Um, or maybe we are uncomfortable with information being shared. And I think it presents this opportunity for ourselves to really ask, uh, what's coming up for me and why? And, um, you know, why am I so resistant to, to this person's truth um, if this is their lived experience? Uh, because the answer to that question can actually be really helpful in getting past kind of our own blind spots and barriers, especially when it comes to um, building new things and thinking about um, innovation, that we have to be aware of the ways that, we ourselves are holding us back from the work. And, and stories can be a really powerful way for us to say, wow, I'm having a really strong reaction to what's happening right now, and I have no idea why. So let me take like five minutes after we get off this call or out of this meeting and, and, and ask myself why. Because if I don't know, then it, it continues to hold us back. Mm, it does. It really does. Yeah. Yeah, it's just failure to listen. Like when you talk about story, you have to talk about listening. Because to acknowledge somebody's story means you have to listen. <laughs> you have to be willing to, yeah. to to hear somebody else's story and actually not just not just like listen, not just like hear. 
and then with with like thinking about what you're going to say in response but actually just sit and listen and like take in what they're saying uh, and have and again we've talked about empathy in this series <laughs> you know display empathy uh and it's really really important to communicate well um and to have healthy relationships and to bring about change because you only bring about change when you can get enough people to agree that that's needed and that there's a way to do it and you can only persuade them by story ultimately you have to change the narrative to change people's hearts in a way absolutely Um, you know it's it's absolutely vital yeah I would also say, too, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week, that part of good listening when it comes to stories is uh, that aspect of curiosity. And I mentioned this last week, but this idea that, like, when somebody else tells us a story, that we immediately have this reaction to to tell a story back as a way to relate is not bad, um, but it does present some challenges in uh, people not feeling heard all the time. And it, it pretty quickly shifts the attention back from the other person to yourself, um, which is a natural thing, I think, that we do in our conversations. But it's so important that if we really value these stories, for us to take the time to follow up with questions, to be to be listening intentionally and say, like, oh, what was that like for you? Or, you know, how are the people in your life? Did they respond to that experience that you had? Or um, how do you feel about that now? And, and I think that that is a really tough part. of That's how you get good stories, right? Like that, that work of asking extra questions, of going a little bit deeper beyond what somebody's sharing, um, and we're, we just don't live in a society that really uh, teaches that or values that. And often, you know, those kinds of questions are seen as, um, like, why are you asking so many questions? Uh, but part of what happens is when you really allow people to share like that is that you get deeper stories, you get more honest stories, um, you, people become more vulnerable very quickly. And the value of that, like, that next level of, of kind of intimacy in, in storytelling um, can make a world of difference. And it's so important that when we are taking the time to listen to people's stories that we really go the extra mile to say, like, okay, I'm going to be fully present here and engaged in our conversation in such a way that I am uh, curious beyond just the kind of the surface level of, of what you're sharing with me. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. It's, it really is about that, being fully present. Not just, like, it's a, it's a difference between just saying, how are you because you're being polite when actually you don't really want to know how they are and somebody actually saying like how are you you know like as in I really want to know I want to listen and I want to be here and be present with you in whatever you're going through it's absolutely it's such a it makes such a difference when when somebody genuinely feels heard I know this from my experience when you feel heard it, it just opens things up so much and you can go to like you say a different level of intimacy um a different level of relationship with somebody and trust uh that you can't without that uh it you know it's yeah (laughs) yeah that's why i love the power of story because it, it can really connect with our deepest selves and connect us with each other yeah, absolutely. I think that that connection piece is really kind of the key for me when I think about storytelling, uh, because that that is storytelling is often like left out of like 
um, so much of our work, right? Like we don't, if, if you went to seminary or even if you went to business school, like we don't talk about storytelling, maybe in a preaching class, uh, but that's kind of it, right? And I think that that is such a disservice to all of us because the way that we relate to each other is through stories. Um, and one of the things that I talk to people about often when we're talking about doing human-centered design is that a big part of the process is shifting away from kind of quantitative data to so saying, like, let's do a survey and how many people responded and, you know, we have this percentage of people in our neighborhood. That's all important information. Uh, but human-centered design says that we need to shift our perspective from quantitative data uh, to qualitative data. And essentially that means that the, the how and why and the things that are, like, super hard to, like, number um, are, are the areas in which we can gain the most amount of meaningful information. And I think that stories are really that place that you gain that qualitative information. Um, and I think that people kind of feel uh, very weird. We live in a very empirical society. I think the West at least does. And yeah. uh, we tend to really value numbers. We tend to value like the data, the hard, the quote, hard facts, uh, the science, uh, which I'm, I'm putting in air quotes, uh, because the reality is we only like those numbers because they seem, they tell us some kind of story, right? Like when we look at a piece of paper and it says, this is the percentage chance of, you know, you getting sick or you getting better or you dying, like that communicates a story to us. We immediately start telling stories about what that means. Um, And so I often push people to say like, what does it mean for us to say other people's stories are information also, not just the numbers. Uh, Because that part of like, we value another person's story offers an opportunity of connection because we start caring about things like how the person looked when they said that or, you know, the, the frustration that we could hear in their voice or um, the way that they started fidgeting because clearly that this was difficult for them to talk about. Like all of these kinds of like qualitative things are information and we just don't value those very much in our work, whether it's in churches and I would definitely say in corporate settings. Um, and, I, and I think that part of what has made human-centered design successful in a number of for-profit settings is that our the products that are created out of human-centered design are much more intuitive because they care about those small little details in such a way that it seamlessly fits into you know our lives because they've taken the time to be like oh like how do we think differently about a phone being used or a computer turning on or you know the functionality of a home um, because we've taken time to listen to actual stories and I think that that to me is like the place that that faith spaces and churches. Um, have really failed is that we're supposed to be all about connection, but we really don't create opportunities for for people to tell their stories, um, for us to listen to their stories, and then use that information uh, to to build something better on the other side. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, and I've been in churches like that as well, um, where it's really where it's like it. Where it's been like, if your story if your story fits with us, that's great. And if it doesn't, well, you don't belong here, you know. And that's kind of not how it should be. <laughs> it should be, what's your story, and you belong here, whatever your story is. Um, and we want to listen to you because you're the community, you're the people. Uh, Absolutely. And yeah, and story. Like you're right. You know, I never thought of it like that. Actually, data is stories. Like data tells us a story. We always think we always interpret data with story, don't we? So that's that's, that's very true. Uh, yeah, our brains just think that way, whether we realise it or not. And yeah, 
And that's often why yeah. we react the way we do to certain things. Totally. I, and I think it's very natural. You know, I, my my friends and I talk about this, my other designer friends and I, we, we often discuss kind of the way empiricism uh, makes us work really hard because we think we live in a society that says, like, if you can prove it, then it's real. Uh, and that's just, like, not actually how humans are. Like, that's a pretty recent development in our, like, evolution as beings. Mm. Um, and it's really challenging because it's just, it's a, it's a false narrative that, like, numbers speak volumes. Uh, when the reality is our lived experiences uh, are equally as valuable, especially if you can get a large swath of different experiences to speak to a particular thing. And um, I think it's really tough because we spend a lot of time, you know, we teach kids, like, the scientific method as if they're like, this is the most valuable, reliable way of, like, doing anything. Um, and, and, but we don't teach, you know, the ways that we can learn and grow and change through listening to other people. Like, we take time to teach kids the value of, like, you know, learning how to do science, but we don't take the time to teach them how to be good communicators or uh, be good listeners. And I think that's really problematic because um, often in so many of our settings, we just don't have data that is, like, reliable enough to be the only source for our information. Um, and I think this is especially true when it comes to conversations about faith, uh, because faith is so complex and uh, theology is so complex. And to say that any data set could be encompassing of uh, what people are feeling or experiencing or really think about God, you know, we talked about this last week, the fact that we're even using words like God and church and faith, we may not even have the same shared definition. And so when we just look at data that kind of explains those things, it's just not good enough. And um, I think that for me, this is uh, really important to communicate with, with folks who are in these settings because they really have the power to change the culture. Um, and especially, I think, you know, I got into kind of a argument with, I, I'm, I'm, I work in like Methodist spaces often, and I got into a conversation with somebody who leads kind of new church starts in the area that I live. Right. And uh, we got into this, this uh, it was a debate, I wouldn't say an argument, but it was definitely a little heated. Uh, because I was leading this workshop for the center that he is the director of, and one of and it was a bunch of you know young clergy people who had been kind of on the edge of doing innovative things, and this whole thing was about like how do we encourage innovation in our area? And uh, this director and I, uh, you know, we get towards the end, and, and people are kind of saying here are the barriers that we think to doing new things. Like these are the reasons that clergy people we feel like less inclined to do new things. Here's why. And we get to the very end, and one of the big things that came out of the meeting was that a lot of these clergy people said, like, we feel really um, inclined to be, play it safe because uh, you, you ask for so much data on our congregation that we don't actually feel like we have the freedom to fail because if we, you know, have 50 people one week and then we have five people the next week, like, you're going to look at that and see, like, what, what happened when the reality is maybe those 45 people didn't come for a specific reason that we asked them not to come. Like, what if we took a risk and they just didn't show up for that reason? And uh, we got into this, like, argument because I said, you know, it's really important that the, the clergy, you know, there are other tools of measuring success beyond just the numbers. And he was like, well, the numbers are, they tell, the numbers are the data. They tell the story. I was like, but the numbers don't tell the story, right? Like, the numbers don't tell the story about, you know, the family that has shown up every week. And then all of a sudden, like, a parent lost their job and one person has to stay home and they, now the other person works late and now they no longer come to church anymore. Like, the numbers yeah. don't tell that story. Yep. And you're like, yeah, but that's, like, one-off. And I'm like, but that's not one-off, right? Like, that, those kinds of stories are happening all over our congregation. 
And when we have structures that don't really value stories, then we're missing out on what's actually really happening in a way that the numbers just can't tell us. Um, and I think that this is really challenging to institutions who have been around a long time because we're seeing, you know, the, the numbers, the data is telling us there's a decline, but the data is also telling us that people are still spiritual and they identify that way. So what is the gap in between, like, the attendance in our buildings and the people who maybe are still, you know, regularly have some kind of spiritual practice, and why does that gap exist? And the data simply cannot answer that question. Um, so I think it's so important that when we have these conversations about stories, that we see them as not just, like, fluffy, like, things to raise money, but as, like, valuable sources of information, um, because, because that is such at the core of our own experiences. It absolutely is. It absolutely is, and you're right. You know, it's it's just so true. I know churches that just do those surveys and numbers and metrics, and that's all they that's all they judge everything on. And the really interesting thing that I've found is that it's when you're in small groups, like groups of five or six people, that actually you get more change. That you actually get more transformation, that you get more um, healthy relationships, because in those groups people are sharing their stories, and you're actually hearing what's going on in people's lives, and you can actually do something about it because you're not you're not just going on numbers, you're not just going on stats, you're not just going you know you're actually listening to people's lived experience and engaging with that where they are, and then you can start to actually do something about that problem. Uh, yeah. It's when you listen to the story that it's that things start to change. Yeah, and we we have got it. We've kind of almost gone from one thing to another thing. Uh, we've kind of skipped story. You know, we've kind of mm-hmm. missed out from story. We've kind of yeah, we've we've just not listened to stories, uh, and people still don't really get the value of stories. You know, and it, it, it it's which is amazing, really, when you think about it. Because how many people go to the cinema? <laughs> how many people read books you know people love yeah. story like all the time they you know <laughs> like even podcasts you know that's that, that's what they feel a podcast right it's like you get to hear stories from all over the yeah, world that's it that's why i do on my that's really why i do on this show it's share stories and <laughs> it's amazing really i mean like you need to look at like the stuff like star wars and, and then the mcu and things like that mm. which have been hugely successful and because they're, they're stories that people can find themselves in uh, and connect with the characters and have relationships with these characters. And, you know, when a character dies, they feel it and they grieve and they cry because they're immersed in the story. And, and people still can't realise that this is really how we, how we connect with things and how we, how we grow and how we relate to each other. Um, Absolutely. Which is amazing, really, when you think about it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I and I think that's why I, I often, you know, push even the people who are like, you know, I'm science and I, I'm a scientist or a doctor and these numbers are really important to me. But I push even them to say, like, those things aren't irrelevant, but they just don't tell us the full picture because um, there's like a nuance of a person's story that is so important to capture because it's like you said, we identify with those things that when we start getting to big concepts like what does it mean to belong or what does it mean to feel loved or what does it mean to feel safe? Like those are all things that each and every one of us at, at some point in our lives have had to kind of either 
answer those questions or recognize that it's not happening in our life. Uh, and, and part of the value of getting other people to articulate those experiences is that we can then have, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, the empathy to be able to see, wow, I had never considered it that way. But when you say it with those words and you tell me that story, it sounds a lot like an experience that I've had. And suddenly my perspective is different. And that to me is the, the power of really using stories to shape our work and using stories to inform our work because it really pushes us to say, like, how can I see past um, maybe my, my preconceived notions or my bias um, in order to really find a way to identify with another person that on paper we have nothing in common, but at the end of the day, we're both human and we share something very particular in that story together. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You can, you can connect with somebody who you don't have anything in common with through a story. You know, if somebody's lost a parent, I've lost a parent, so I could meet somebody who is completely different to me in every possible way but if they've lost a parent we have a connection because we have a shared story we've both lost a parent we both know what it's like to lose a parent we both know what it's like to grieve we both know the 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 pain the experience of 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 that because we've both lived it um and all the other things that we don't have in common almost don't matter at that point because we have a shared lived experience um, a shared story, in a sense, even though obviously individual stories are different, but there is a shared experience at some level, uh, and that's the beauty of story. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that shared experience is um, is so valuable. And you know, I, I want to say something else too about uh, about storytelling. The other way that I think storytelling is is really significant when it comes to doing innovative work is the ways that we can communicate our success and failures through storytelling. Um, and one of the things that I do, I, I usually, I often lead like a kind of like a three hour workshop. It's like a crash course on uh, what is human centered design? How does it work? And then we kind of go through the process together. And at the very end, uh, I include a segment on telling your story. And part of the reason I do that is because I think that we uh, are really bad <laughs> at communicating uh, why we've done what we've done and how we've gotten there. And I often talk to people about how important it is that you uh, walk people through the story of your, of your work, right? Like, how do we communicate what we've learned about the people in our community, the ways that our insight to the problem has now changed, and what we tried to do to, to solve the problem, and then where we are now. And part of the reason those three components are really important is because often I find that people who want to do innovative work are working within structures that don't see the problem that they are trying to solve. And I think that a really great example of that is uh, when we think about people who, like, don't go to church. And if we're thinking about, you know, if you're a pastor who works in a setting and you're really passionate about, like, how do we grow and connect to people who are not at currently attending church? And what I find is that people who kind of run institutional leadership levels have, like, zero sense of why people don't come to church. <laughs> and um, part of the challenge is convincing them that, like, the, there's a huge disconnect between what happened, what they think is the reason people don't come to church and the actual reason people don't come to church. Mm. And one of the things that's really valuable is if you're in that process of trying to answer that question or trying to learn more and understand is that you help the people who are maybe more skeptical or don't understand, understand the problem. So it's almost like you are building empathy after you've kind of gained the empathy. And I think like it's, it's another way of using story to basically say, 
I've learned something through someone else's story. Let me retell the story in a compelling way that actually shifts your perspective also. Uh, And I think that's like really powerful. And we never talk about that as far as like, you know, when we talk about, you know, grant writing or we talk about, you know, fundraising, like that's the only way time we use it. And I think there's something really valuable at shifting the culture of our institutions, shifting the culture of, um, you know, what it means to kind of hold people accountable or, or track numbers is that we have to help them understand if you're missing something here, let me share with you the things that have changed me in hopes that you might see this differently when we walk out of this meeting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. I mean, how do you, yeah, who are the people that start cancer charities? It's people who've, who've been affected by cancer and they mm-hmm. go and tell their story and people connect with that story and they give money, and you raise money, and you and you and you you, know, you 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 get research done, and you get change, and it's all done through story. That's how people connect with those with those things. If you can tell someone the facts about about cancer or something like, and and people won't connect with that as much as they will a story. You know, because uh, stories are compelling. You know, I mean, like, I mean, like, I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, we've seen the, we've seen it in movies where you have. Someone tells, someone conveys a story that's maybe not their story, but it's a true story, and people connect with it, and suddenly people are interested in whatever cause that's about again. You know, it's, uh, you know, you've had movies which have drawn attention to big issues, which weren't issues at the time, but because it's a powerful story, which has been conveyed really well, suddenly it's like, it's had a cultural impact. I mean, like, Philadelphia was with a film like that, actually, in the 90s. Mm. Because it took on a subject that nobody was talking about publicly at the time. It was, you know, AIDS. Uh, and, you know, it, well, that wasn't being talked about as much back then. And it raised the awareness. People connected with that story. I suddenly realised it was a real thing that people were experiencing. And I'm sure that had a big impact on the fight against AIDS. Because Absolutely. Compelling stories do that. that. You, you know, you're, you're kind of touching on something that I think is really important is that it doesn't have to be that, like, everybody doesn't have to hear everybody's story be changed, right? Like, yeah. But what we have to do is that if I have been changed by your story, then I have to do a good enough job retelling that story so it's influential to somebody else. Yeah. And I think that that's part of what I, I, I really hope people walk away with when we talk about stories as storytelling as a tool. Um, because it's not just like, you know, we're trying to like profit off somebody's, you know, pain or sadness, but what we're trying to do is build a more empathetic culture. We're trying to build a more empathetic society in which by me sharing something that was significant and influential to my work or my personal life, that maybe that will shift something for you too. And I think that we often, uh, don't really value that very much. Like we don't spend a lot of time saying like, this is a, mm. something that's worth us doing or caring about. Um, and I think that's problematic because uh, I think that it, it can be so impactful um, for us to share those stories, for us to kind of carry those things on. I think, you know, that the example you gave about, you know, cancer survivors and, and telling those stories is really significant because just because you care about a cause doesn't mean necessarily that you've been affected by it. Uh, maybe somebody you love has been affected by it and you tell that story, but it's not your particular story, Right. And, mm. and so I think, like, that's the way that story can be used as a tool um, for us to amplify often the, the, the stories and narratives of people whose stories don't get told. Um, the, there are often people who are, are sick, who, people who are disabled, people who are of color, people 
um, who are queer. I, I mean, there's like a whole swath of people whose stories are not as well represented. And so when we get into the practice of amplifying those stories, of retelling those stories, um, we can build empathy for those kinds of groups um, because of the work that we're committed to doing as individuals, even if we're not affected by all of those things. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, that's one of the things, one of the reasons I've, I've always been intentional about the kind of guests I've had on here because I want to amplify voices, especially yeah. of the marginalised people who or people who don't get their their voices heard as much. It's, it's always been my intention. Because and one of the reasons is exactly what we're talking about because I want people to hear those stories from them and connect and somehow connect with those stories and actually understand what's going on because that it will make more change than just spitting out facts. Uh, it, you know, when you listen because when we hear people's stories, we can connect. And that's, again, like we've talked about, where transformation can come. Um, so, I mean, in particular in relation to church, how do you think the church can use story in a more effective way? Yeah, that is a great question. So I think there's kind of, I feel like we've kind of talked about, like, two things. We have the, the, the aspect of, like, receiving stories and then the aspect of telling stories. And so I would say on the end of kind of receiving stories, I think uh, churches, we discuss this, we discuss this almost every week, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think that churches need to build a culture in which they actually care about individual stories. And they take time to really listen to stories and seek out the stories of not only the people who show up to their particular church, uh, but the people in the community. And uh, I think you can do this in a lot of ways. This can look like seeking out to get to know the neighborhood that your church is physically in um, or trying to get, you know, I go, I work at a church where we have a pretty active neighborhood association. And so, uh, you know, getting in touch with neighborhood leaders and saying like, tell us about your neighborhood, tell us about your community, what is it like to live here? Um, those are really great entryways into getting to know more people who live around your building. Um, the other way you can do that too is simply having, um, you know, like office hours or coffee dates with people, you know, maybe virtual now because we're where we are. <laughs> um, but the taking the time to really seek people out and um, be intentional about, you know, tell me about your life. How did you end up here? Um, what's important to you? What's valuable to you? And not use it as an opportunity to do pastoral care, <laughs> um, but as an opportunity just to like learn about people's life. Um, and, and take notes, write things down after you have those meetings, because often you will not see the pattern uh, until you've had a few conversations. But I think part of the value of, of stepping into those spaces is that you create kind of that trust between you and the, and the community and you and your congregation um, in such a way that doing that several times a year, at least, um, build kind of a rapport where you can say like these stories can influence the way we make decisions. I know these people well enough to actually be able to say this is a good move, this isn't a good move because of the intimacy I know about their life. Um, and I think that's really important. And and even empowering you know people within your congregation to do that with one another. And maybe it's not you individually who does it all the time, but maybe you have a team of people who job their volunteer job is just to go listen to people's stories like. They just go take people out to coffee and you have a line in your budget to do that. Like whatever it looks like, but empowering that really that listening and that feedback and of sharing their lived experiences. Um, if we're talking about telling stories, using storytelling as a tool, um, I think that there is, uh, a, I would say a lot of pastors are not very good at this just in general. Uh, 
And I would say mm. sometimes it's even true within our sermons. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure that all of us can relate to like many bad sermons that we've heard because this person was a terrible storyteller. Um, and my advice for that would be uh, the core of a good story is the ways that we can build empathy, uh, that, that we can tell a story that other people are relate to. And maybe they don't even fully understand why they relate to it, but it's like they're like often universal themes that we relate to, like feelings of, of loss, feelings of pain, uh, feelings of great triumph. Uh, there are kind of these universal things that every one of us, no matter where we stand on a political spectrum or a theological spectrum, have had those experiences. And so I think pastors um, and, and even congregants being aware of the way we use stories as an opportunity to build that empathy gap. Um, is really significant. Um, and I think that we can do this by simply uh, practice in telling those stories and listening to really great storytellers. Um, I think that, you know, reading and, and immersing ourselves in even things like theater is a really great opportunity to do that, theater and music, because while theater is performance, there's a reason we connect with people who when they're on stage. Uh, there's a huge difference somebody who is a really great actor or actress uh, than somebody who's not. And part of that is the way that they, they are able to communicate and tell stories. Um, and I think that churches can get better at telling stories by simply exposing themselves to more content, more media, um, seeing, asking themselves when they find something moving, what is it about this thing that I, I experienced that was moving and why? Um, you know, why was this TV episode? Why did I tear up? Or why did I, you know, get really frustrated reading this book? You know, what are the things that I reacted to? And uh, how can I be intentional about creating that kind of experience when I tell stories? Um, and I think that it's a, it, it, I think I can hear the criticism of people saying like, well, what if that's manipulation? And what I want to say is that I think it can be used in manipulation. I think that stories sometimes have been used that way. But I think what's really important for us to remember is that humans really crave um, that connection piece. And if we're going to say like, let's use our stories for good, then we have to use them for good. And we have to be intentional about the way we tell those stories. We have to become good at doing it. Um, and we have to be honest about when we're trying to be persuasive. And I think all of those things are okay if uh, we're transparent about that process for ourselves and we're honest about our intentions of, I'm sharing the story because I, I want you to see that this person's experience is very different than yours and there may be some things that you've missed. Like, Simply saying a sentence like that can significantly impact the way a person feels influenced or not influenced, um, and it's honest. And I think that when we can use our stories in that way, um, we can significantly kind of grow the ways that we build empathy for people who are maybe either not represented in our congregation um, or people who are represented in our congregation but maybe don't have as much of a voice. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely agree. Yeah, this, that's all really great. I, yeah, we need to start using story and thinking in story and um, and listening to stories. And yeah, story is absolutely fundamental um, for this world we want to create going forward. I think we have to start engaging with story a lot better in how we how we do everything and how we do community and how we do church and how we do relationships and everything we need to we need to do better at story we need to engage more with story we need to think in story more and use it better
Absolutely. Yeah, I think stories are a a really key part of um, building bridges. And, you know, as we've talked about, you know, two weeks ago and last week, you know, curiosity and empathy are and and storytelling are kind of uh, they're all woven together, really, because um, the more we tell our stories, uh, the more curious we become about other people's stories and the more empathy we have um, as people share those stories. And I think that um, when I look at our world, when I look at our political divides, um, when I look at the challenges facing um, Christianity in the world, uh, the biggest problem that I see is that we just, we don't talk about uh, that divide enough, and we're not really sure how to even get past that divide. And I think that um, the openness that comes with being, with telling our stories and listening to stories, um, and then leveraging storytelling as a, as a tool for change, uh is a way for us to, to make that gap a little bit smaller. may not get rid of it entirely, um, but it has the potential to influence people and, and shape the world we live in. Absolutely. That's great. I, I, yeah. That's a great way to end the series, really. Um, just connecting all three, you know, story, empathy, curiosity. Those things, are all, they're all connected, and, uh, and we need all of them, and they're all related to each other. Uh, like you say, listening to people's stories, finding empathy with people and being curious about what those stories are and then what we can do about those stories to change uh, to change the world, you know, and to change our communities. Yeah, absolutely. So um, thanks for coming on. Thanks for this coming on this whole series. It's been uh, it's been fantastic, really. I've I've learned a lot, and I hope everyone listening has learned a lot too. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. It's been wonderful to talk about these things. I am, uh, I love being able to share these things with people because I think that uh, it's this side of our world that we just don't care as much about. And I think it's so important for us to bring it um, into context with, with faith and um, explore the ways that it can help us explore and discover new ideas too. Yeah, absolutely. And again, just where, where can people connect with, with you and your work? Yeah, so um, I have a website, which is the, the best way to kind of learn about what I do, and it's uh, inthewater.co. Um, and if you want to send me an email or reach out to me, you can reach out to me there. Um, and then I also have an Instagram account, which is called In the Water with two underscores at the end. Fantastic. Great. And do connect with Victoria's work. It's fantastic. So, um, and I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll, we'll um, bring you back at some point because I'm sure we've got loads more we can talk about. So, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you again for doing this and, uh, and thanks for listening, everybody.